for NPR Music. You're connected to all songs considered. I'm Bob Boylan, and uh, we are going to do our top 10 rock albums of 2022. And the we <laughs> are NPR Music's Hazel Sills and Marissa LaRusso. Good day, everybody. Hey, Bob. Hey. So, uh, I, Marissa, you're in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm not in an NPR studio, I wish. <laughs> And I, I miss all of you and seeing all of you uh, all the time. And, and actually, that may go to something that I want to think about first, which is the amount of music that came out in 2022 and how we all felt about it. It just a big picture. Hazel, how did you digest? Was there too much, too little, hard to choose? There was honestly a lot. It was very hard to choose. And I feel like, I don't know, in terms of rock music this year, I, I feel like there was a lot to love, or I really felt connected to the genre in new ways. I felt like there were a lot of bands that sort of came out of interesting spaces, like Wet Leg, like where where in the world did they come from? And, <laughs> and also like, I don't know, prolific singer-songwriters like Alex G, who I think turned out really interesting music. So for me, it was like a, a very exciting year for rock. Yeah, I agree. There was a lot to love, certainly more than we could fit on a list of 10. Uh, and the conversations that we had amongst ourselves and with other people on the team about the best rock of this year, I feel like, yeah, folks on the team got excited about rock coming from different corners of different universes this year, which is maybe true every year, but it was fun to be part of that conversation this year. And I saw a lot more live music this year than I saw in the past few years and Same. really reinvigorated me and made me remember how wonderful it can feel to go to a rock show and watch someone play a big guitar solo right in front of your face. That felt great <laughs> about this year. Awesome. I, I found uh, so much to choose from. In fact, when I look at the list we're about to talk about and the list that I make personally, uh, only two of my favorites uh, made our top 10 list, which is really uh, kind of unusual. I think one of the things that uh, maybe uh, I'm, I'm making this up, but it just feels like maybe our separation and being uh, apart from one another gave us more diversity and things we fell in love with as individuals in our own bedrooms or whatever hmm. than before. Uh, I don't know. When we're all in an office together and you see somebody excited about something, you run over, hey, what you're listening to? And then, you know, I'd go listen to it or whatever. Maybe that connection, that disconnection maybe, uh, is what has spawned such uh, diversity in terms of the tastes we each have. Just a conjecture. I love that. It's a very positive spin on us not getting to actually, like, see each other face-to-face <laughs> -face every day. <laughs> and you mentioned concerts, Marissa. One of uh, my favorite concerts this year was what is our number 10 record. So we're going to start a countdown. Woo! <laughs> Kevin Morby. Uh, the Kevin Morby album, This is a Photograph, is our number 10 record in that tour. Uh, did you get to see it, anybody? Get I didn't. I didn't. Oh, it was really fabulous, and the songs on that record are really great. Uh, any other love for the Kevin Morby record from, from you two? Well, I had never really been super deeply invested in his music, but I thought the backstory behind this one was really fascinating to me. It kind of has like a, like a dark, you know, sort of earnest uh, backstory where, you know, this is his seventh studio album, and it sort of took inspiration by a moment in which Morby witnessed his father passing out at the dinner table, and he had to be rushed to the hospital. And afterwards, he found himself looking at 
a photograph of his father. He was looking at family photographs. And the experience just sort of had him thinking about like his family and the passing of time and death and his place in history. And he trekked down to Memphis, Tennessee to do some soul searching and sort of began sowing the seeds for what would become this album, um, which is sort of inspired by, you know, different tragedies and tragic figures of, of Memphis, Tennessee, like Jeff Buckley and Elvis Presley and Martin Luther King Jr. And these people who have, you know, uh, presence and, and deep connection there. And it's a really spooky Americana country rock album. And I just thought the story behind it was, was really interesting. Yeah, there's also um, a lot of collaboration on this album that stood out to me. Like Aaron Ray sings on a song, um, Cassandra Jenkins sings on a couple, jazz artists like Micaiah McRaven and Brandy Younger play on one of the tracks. Um, yeah, there's just like a real warmth and, and kind of familiarity in the community that, that helped him make this record. Let's play the title track, which I think speaks to the themes of the record, the themes that uh, Hazel was speaking of, and it's called This is a Photograph. This is a photograph A window to the past Of your father on the front lawn With no shirt on Ready to take the world on Beneath the West Texas sun The year that you were born The year that you are now his wife behind the camera His daughter and his baby boy Got a glimmer in his eye Seem to say, this is what I miss after I die And this is what I miss about being alive My body My girl Now time's the undefeated The heavyweight champ Laughing in his face As you dance like Sugar Ray Used to be, come on, come on but now, no mas, no mas. Used to be, come on, come on. But I just see Kevin Morby. He's got this f fun dance moves <laughs> he does on stage. <laughs> I can't quite describe it, but it's a little stick figurey, but it's also like incredible enthusiasm. It's funny and, you uh, say that because I feel like, I don't know, the end of this song when like the tambourine comes in, it has a uh, real like rise out of the pew energy <laughs> like it's very like i don't know dance macabre or whatever yeah <laughs> love it uh so that's number 10 kevin morby let's go to number nine soul glow yeah soul glow diaspora problems i loved this record they are this incredible hardcore band out of philly this is their first record since getting signed to epitaph and it really feels like a level up for a band that like was already on the ascent you know, they put out a couple releases of these like scathing, incredible hardcore songs. Um, but this record, yeah, it feels like a step up. The songs feel more fully formed. There's a bunch of guest verses. It's mixed really well. 
You might even say that it's like technically more accessible than their previous releases, but I think the most important thing is that it is no less forceful in what it has to say. Uh, these songs cover racism, state surveillance, the prison industrial complex, life under capitalism, mental health, like really heavy topics. And something I think the record does so well is that the singer Pierce Jordan really links those kind of big structural problems to personal and interpersonal experiences. And on top of all of that, the record is like thinking about these complex things, but the feelings of it to me are just undeniable. There is anger, there is grief, there is urgency. You just like really cannot turn away from these songs. Um, yeah, let's hear a little bit of it. What do you want to play? Let's hear a little bit of Jump or Get Jumped by the Future. It's hard to find a break in this song to pull down. Oh my god. It is, it is a record that does not let you catch your breath. I saw a review that actually said the lyric sheet includes about 5,500 words. So hard to find a place to cut it off. Yeah, I feel sweaty just listening to that song. Like I feel, I feel like I'm like trying to make my way out of a pit just mm -hmm. listening to it. I pictured uh, roughly about 1984 or 5 in the 9, 930 Club. This would have fit just perfectly and beautifully uh, and amazing that that sound this is just a trio too right? mm -hmm. that this sound still persists and thrives so many decades later that's soul glow and uh number nine coming in at number eight you know i talked at the top about the fact that we're all listening to different things and i miss this record <laughs> and here it is. It's it's a, the number eight record from our team. Uh, it's by a group called Special Interest, and the album's called Endure. Uh, Hazel? Yeah, I love this album, and I love this band. They are a group from New Orleans, and they make super energizing, danceable punk music about, like, living under the weight of the world, of, like, being on the brink of collapse, like, just being overworked, angry as hell, like, music that just really flips a middle finger to like gentrification and war and state violence. I mean, this is a great album to follow, Soul Glow. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they make it in a way that like makes you want to move. They really remind me of groups like, you know, Delta Five and ESG who kind of took the rhythms of like 70s 
funk music and like 80s dance music, but then kind of mixing it with these kind of post-punk ideas and, um, and, and messages. And so it's music that really feels propulsive and political, but also highly danceable. And, you know, I'm always looking for music that sounds kind of disorienting, like music that really captures the, the chaos of living in our current moment. And I think this record really does that. It kind of veers between looking for pleasure and kind of these like fire-filled spaces and then struggling to just get by in a day. And so, yeah, I think it's incredible. How about we play the song Foul? Uh, Some of the words uh, are um, something like, uh, if it's not my back, it's my head, and if it's not my head, it's my heart, and short-staffed and overworked and sleep-deprived, and it's an art. (laughs) It is a good record to follow, the Soul Glow uh, record, uh, that special interest. Yeah. The way that it just never ends, like you're being pushed down a flight of steps, like... (laughs) It just like never ends. They're just one thing after another. It's just chaos. Yeah, I will say something that I do love about this record is that it captures like that chaos and like drudgery and exhaustion. But then there also really are moments on the record that are about like pleasure and connection and community. And even the sounds of the record, like how danceable it is, you know, makes you think about like being in a club with a bunch of other people who you love. And they really are so great at capturing that dichotomy on this record. So that's number eight, Special Interest. Uh, the album's Endure, their third album, the song Foul. And let's bring in Lars Gottridge. <laughs> and I'm laughing only because, Lars, you missed the party. I missed the party? <laughs> <laughs> Just well, now I mean, getting invited? <laughs> <laughs> Desserts here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, we good. just played Soul Glow and we played uh, Special Interest, Super High Energy. And so, what are you going to bring to the table? I'm going to bring us way down. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just start off with, with this. Uh, I love these chords, Bob.
This is the uh, London-based band Caroline, and um, they, they've been around a minute, but only started trickling out songs in uh, 2020, I believe. And in fact, this I think this was their first single. This is a song called Dark Blue. When I first heard it, I, I thought it might be a joke because like, I immediately recognized what they were doing have a little bit of velvet underground drone so you hear that you hear the the strings droning in the background of this song eventually you're going to hear some midwestern emo noodling but that is very desert swept and pastoral and uh widescreen and there's also like this uh repetition that partially comes from minimalists a, a lot of people keep uh referring to Steve Reich, but I hear more Gavin Bryars in the way that Gavin Bryars would take a, a singular idea and loop it until you created your own emotion around it. And so when I heard this, I was like, this feels like it was genetically engineered for Lars Gottrich <laughs> by eight individuals uh, in London. And so I, I didn't really know what to make of it at first, but when they finally released their debut album uh, earlier this year, it was in February, I just became sort of enraptured with it. It's a record that hasn't really left me this year. Yes, there are all these, there are all these different uh, components that uh, can be quite compelling and emotional and uh, can kind of like pull you in. But the, the thing that I, I kind of took away from it and that was kind of confirmed when I found out how they make these songs is that they know how to make the personal communal. So these songs are generally built around three people and they'll, they'll work through an idea, a figure over time, and then they'll bring in the rest of the group and they'll improvise and, this, and the composition will change. So this thing that comes from like an idea or a person suddenly becomes a community of song. And I, I found that especially moving when I saw them perform uh, here in Washington, D.C. at a small venue called Rhizome, and Bob, you were there as well, where those ideas, you got to watch them unfold in real time. And there is this element of group singing that uh, I, I know this band is not religious, but took me to church. You know, it's like it's this idea of repeating a phrase so many times and so that when you sing it to yourself it means one thing but when you sing it with others it becomes this unstoppable force and the thing that i find so especially so moving in these compositions and these improvisations is that it's almost like they're holding each other up through these songs because it sounds like they're going they're going through it <laughs> but like the, the the way the instruments push on each other and hold each other up uh is what really like has been my takeaway with this Caroline record. Let's hear it. Oh, 
strange, beautiful music, Mr. Lars. Indeed. Caroline, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, so am I supposed to exit out the, the door to the left? Is there like a... <laughs> when the song ends, you, you actually go on a... Up in a puff of smoke. Oh, is that okay? Can we do Wait, that? I'm smoke right now. <laughs> I'm speaking from the ether. <laughs> this happens. Okay. Well, it was nice to be in bodily form, but now I am smoke. <laughs> While you're smoke, I have one quick question for you, which is we made this list. We all have things that aren't on this list. We're going to probably mention a few while you're not here and just a puff of smoke. So as you're going out, is there one record that didn't make this top ten that you really want everybody to know about? Oh, God, a million, Bob. Um, no, no, one, one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the one thing when we were putting together this list, Bob, that I, I, I didn't really get for the, the top ten was a balls-to-the-wall rock record. And this year, nobody made a better record like that than Editrix, a real power trio from Western Massachusetts, the name of the record is Editrix 2, Editrix Goes to Hell. And uh, <laughs> it is so squiggly and scraggly and weird, but it never fails to like rock. Like I, I saw them also at Rhizome, speaking of probably one of my favorite venues in Washington, D.C., saw them at Rhizome play like a Sunday or Saturday matinee. And uh, after the show was done, I put in Van Halen, in my car on the way home, I was like, this makes sense. Like, Editrix is, Editrix is just Van Halen for weirdos. Um, so that's my, that's probably the highest possible recommendation I can make for a record, rock record this year. <laughs> in quotes, we'll put that up online. <laughs> Thanks, Lars. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> I am a puff of smoke. Enjoy your taping. Thank you. Thanks. So that was number seven. Number six, Hooray for the Riff Raff, the album Life on Earth. Ann Powers couldn't be with us at this moment, but she sent us sounds, a voice. <laughs> but before uh, we do that, thoughts on Hooray for the Riff Raff from either of you? I love this record. Their previous records I have liked, but this one just blew me away. I feel like the stories that Alinda Sagara tells on this record are so much about like joy and resilience and they feel really personal to Alinda but then kind of really open to be inhabited by any listener and the sound of the record to me feels like really playful I feel like just yeah after making so many records they've really reached a new high in their songwriting I really love this record yeah, I just have to say, um, I saw them perform a few nights ago at NPR Music's 15th uh, anniversary show, and they were incredible. Like, just just feel like a rock star from another era. Like, I just I, I was just watching them on stage, and I was like, they don't make the they don't make stars like this anymore. <laughs> like, just the presence. Um, yeah, I just have to shout out them as a live performer as well. Let's hear from Ann Powers. I believe that music expands the universe. And that's why I love the album Life on Earth by Hooray for the Riff Raff. Alinda Sagara, who records under that name, is always exploring new sounds in the service of compassion and great storytelling, speaking up for those who are often ignored. 
Sagara invented something called nature punk for this album, writing songs that connect humans to the natural world and expose how doing violence to any creature hurts us all. As in this song, Precious Cargo, which uses rap's cadences in an intensely personal way to get inside the head of a traveler detained at America's southern border. Precious cargo at the river, me swimming just to get across With the babies on my shoulder, grab my neck so they don't get lost We made it through the jungle, no water there for two weeks Many dead that we walked by and thugs hiding in the trees We made it to the border, I jumped and I was detained Split me from my family, now the light begins to fade took me to the cold room where I slept down on the floor Just a foil for a blanket for 17 days or more Me sleep on the floor for 17 days, me sleep on the floor like a dog Me sleep on the floor for 17 days for a blanket shivering hard Me sleep on the floor for 17 days, me sleep on the floor like a dog Me sleep on the floor for 17 days for a blanket shivering hard one of uh, the more amazing songs of 2022, Hooray for the Riff Raff, Precious Cargo. Yeah, I think what Anne said about compassion in Alinda Sagar's songwriting is so true. It is just at the heart of this record. Whether they're singing about themselves or about the world or about nature or singing about how all of those things are interconnected, there's just so much compassion in this record. Awesome. So we're going to get to number five. But before we do, I just want to remind people that <laughs> Robin and I, every year we do these things, Robin Hilton and I, we would get these notes that would be something that would start like, Dear Idiots. <laughs> 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 Meaning, you forgot to put my song on your list. How could, how could you? And so uh, what we do every year is we ask listeners to tell us what they love. And so we put up a listener poll. You can find it on the All Songs Considered and NPR Music site. So go there and have your voice be heard, and then we'll do a show about those listener picks. Top five albums, top five songs, just put them on a list, send it to us. I want to know. <laughs> what are you listening to? What do you love? And, uh, and then Marissa NPR Music is going to put up our top 100 songs and top 50 albums. How's that unfolding? So, yeah, we're going to be publishing our list of the 50 best albums of 2022 on December 12th and our list of the 100 best songs of 2022 on December 15th. That is a lot of great music. And there were a lot of great conversations that led to that great music. <laughs> it's true. All polite, everyone agreeing, mm, no oh, disagreement yeah. anywhere. We made each other dessert. <laughs> exactly. We gave each other gifts. <laughs> We braided all our hair together. <laughs> I'm in. 
Awesome. Let's take a break. Be right back. And you're listening to All Songs Considered Top 10 Rock Albums of 2022. It's All Songs Considered. Support for NPR and the following message come from State Farm, the 2022 lead sponsor of NPR Music. For the past three years, State Farm has been a proud supporter of the Tiny Desk Concert Series, which provides a unique stage for artists across the genre spectrum. While small in size, the Tiny Desk is large in impact. Since the launch of the Tiny Desk Concert Series in 2008, nearly 1,000 performances have been recorded at Bob Boylan's festive workspace at NPR headquarters, which is decorated with years of music memorabilia. Tiny Desk Concerts attract 16 million viewers per month and help unify a passionate community around the love of music discovery. You can explore the latest concerts or browse the archives for your favorite artists at npr.org music. And keep the discovery going when you check out State Farm's surprisingly great rates. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan, and we are counting down the top 10 records, top 10 rock albums of 2022. I'm here with Marissa LaRusso and Hazel Sills from NPR Music, and uh, we're getting to the five. So are your five favorites out there going to be on our list, or are we the idiots? (laughs) 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 Only time will tell. (laughs) The number five album is by the group Always, uh, spelled A-L-V-V-A-Y-S, and the album is called Blue Rev. And uh, Marissa, tell us about this Canadian band. Yeah, this is their third record. And I feel like always really established themselves as being like the masters of this particular dreamy indie pop sound. And on this record, they really turned up like the noise and the distortion and the Mm -hmm. grit in their sound. Um, I really love something that our senior editor, Jacob Gans, wrote in a review of this record about that quality of the record. He said, Blue Rev isn't a wash in noise. Instead, nearly every song gets roughed up in its own distinct way, and singer Molly Rankin, at the center of the storm, braces herself and pushes back. I feel like that really captures it, you know, she has this like very clear, beautiful voice and is a really, really skillful storyteller, but this record really plays around with that relationship between her voice and the rest of the band across, the, across all of the songs in this really interesting way. Um, let's hear a little bit of the song Pharmacist. It's been a while since they put out a record, yeah? 
Yeah, their last record, Antisocialites, came out in 2017. And I think the band went through a lot to get this record made, including, of course, the, you know, the pandemic, which interrupted a lot of bands' processes. And I think that the result is that on this record, there's a really nice balance between the songs feeling really intricate and layered, but also feeling like really lived in and kind of effortless. And I think probably that is a result of them having built up this catalog for a minute before they were like able to record these songs and finalize them. I heard a story that back after they finished their tour in 2017 that Molly's uh, um, apartment was broken into. Her recorder was taken and demo tapes were taken and then a flood happened and a lot of the band's gear got damaged from that and then the pandemic, as you mentioned. So this has been a struggle, but out of it came some really clear new ideas. Marissa, you talked about like them turning up the noise on this album and I feel like something that's connecting a few of our albums on this countdown is like the danceability of a lot of this music or like Bobby mentioned Kevin Morby. We talked about soul glow <laughs> and special interest. And I don't know. I just think that we talked as well about like seeing more live music this year. I know I've certainly seen way more live music this year than, you know, the, the year prior. Just this idea of bands really making music that moves you and sort of, I don't know, that's kind of influence infiltrating a lot of rock music this year. I feel like I hear that on the Always record a lot. Music you could really bop around to, really lose yourself on the floor in that noise. Totally. The enthusiasm, as you say, people coming back to clubs, bands coming back to clubs. I mean, they yeah. have future of, well, so many things. In terms of the things we're talking about, these artists had no idea what was going to happen to their future lives and thrives amongst a huge audience, amongst the enthusiasm, and uh, you know their incomes depended on it. And I think everybody coming back, that joy and that wash of sound uh, feels so good uh, once again. Which brings me to one of my favorite live shows of 2022. Our number four record is from Wet Leg. <laughs> <laughs> and I clap and, and love. One thing that I love uh, about the music that we're talking about today, but doesn't happen enough, is humor in the music we're talking about. I'd say 90 or 95% of the music we talk about is often from the deep inner souls of people wanting to express themselves and express their oftentimes pain or the great unknown <laughs> and then comes wet leg uh, <laughs> talking about things that are just plain fun and storytelling uh, and and I deeply fell in love with their uh, debut album and their live show is just spectacular uh, as well they played a little club called DC9 which is about a 175 capacity 175 people because when they booked the tour I'm sure they had no idea that probably more like 10 times that people would have loved to have seen them. So uh, anyway, it was really fun to be in a club with them. Yeah, something that impressed me about this record was how consistent it was. So this this British duo, Rian Teasdale and Hester Chambers, they're from the Isle of Wight, a place that I did not uh, wasn't familiar with until Wet Leg burst on the scene, with that first single, Shays Long, which our team loved. And I loved that song, and I loved the... The world. The world. <laughs> I loved that next single, and I thought, okay, when they put a record out, like, is it just going to be those two, or however many, big singles, and then and then kind of filler? But I actually found this record so consistent. They just have this very specific, very funny kind of off-kilter sound. They know how to write a hook. They have this really particular perspective. 
Hazel, in, in a conversation about the record that we published on the site, you called it a very specific strain of young millennial messiness. I think that's exactly <laughs> it. And they just nail it across the album. Yeah, they're such trolls. I mean, mm -hmm. I admittedly, this album didn't stick with me for most of the year, but I really appreciate their sense of humor. And yes, they do really capture that late 20s millennial messiness, like pulling yourself off the floor after a night of heavy drinking mm -hmm. and there's pizza boxes <laughs> strewn around you <laughs> sensation. And so, yeah, love, love their little trollishness. So what should we play from? Uh, wet leg to make a smile. Um, let's play Angelica. I actually think listening to, the, to Wet Leg, uh, when we are done, I'm going for a car ride, and uh, <laughs> it's going to be a little loud. <laughs> I'm going to take a drive with, uh, with that record. I haven't uh, listened to that full album in a while. That was number four on our top ten list. We get to number three, and an artist uh, we've loved since, uh, well, since about 2018. I know when we saw uh, Nil Yanya at uh, South by Southwest. And I know, Hazel, you're a huge fan of the Nila Friana record. Tell us about Painless. Painless, yes. This is the second full-length album from Nila Friana. Uh, she is a young British singer-songwriter. She has this beautiful, smoky voice and just this incredible ability to just like completely destroy me emotionally with the way she plays her electric guitar. And, you know, I kind of think of her as like a minimalist. I feel like some of her best songs like Baby Love, she can just do so much with just her voice and her guitar. And she really knows how to take the sweetness of her voice and kind of weaponize it in really interesting ways. And this album is not minimalist at all. It really kind of builds out her universe. The album just has this really gritty production full of like reverb and like 90s production and drums that like crack like whips. And I think it really solidifies her as like a rock star in the making. You know, I think the beauty of her voice has sort of led a lot of people to think of her as like a pop artist or like an indie pop artist. And her music in the past has been very airy and light. And I don't know, this record is is really kind of dark. A lot of songs about feeling numb <laughs> and kind of feeling anxious. And yeah, I think it's a really stellar record from her. What do you want to play? I think we should play Stabilize.
That is good. <laughs> I, I didn't spend enough time with this record, so thank you, Hazel. And, and, and in fact, I think one of the reasons we do these countdowns or we do these lists and so forth is to turn each other on to things that we didn't spend enough time with or don't even know about. And uh, I hope people appreciate it on, on that level. For me, uh, your passion, uh, Hazel, for Nilifer, who I adored when the first record came out, for whatever reason, you know, timing sometimes is just a thing in your life when records come out, maybe you're obsessed with something else at the moment or mood-wise you weren't ready for the aggressiveness of the record or whatever it might be. Uh, these end-of-year things are so helpful and so Nilifer is on my December list to spend more time with. Same, me too. I loved the record when it came out um, and similarly, Hazel, your passion for it has kept it in rotation for me. <laughs> it's a great record. Very passionate. <laughs> Hill for Yanya, the record's called Painless and the song we play to stabilize. Number two. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think this, uh, this record uh, is by Alex G. Uh, God Save the Animals. And I know Marissa's bursting to talk about it. I love Alex G. And I love this record. I've been a fan of his for a while. And I feel like this record really brought a lot of people into the fold of Alex G fandom. And I'm really excited about that. Um, what do you think it was that was different in, in this way? Because this is like nine albums in a dozen years. I mean, yeah, prolific you know. guy. I actually, Hazel, would love to hear from you because I know this album really won you over in a big way. Yeah, I was not admittedly a fan of Alex G. I think there was always something kind of precious and I think childlike about his music, which and intentionally so. You know, Alex G is someone who... I think has a reputation for like writing in the voices of different characters mm -hmm. and like shifting his vocals in weird ways. And this album, like when I heard it, I was like, oh, this feels like an album made by an adult. Like th <laughs> that sounds kind of like a drag, but <laughs> it's just very professional mm -hmm. and very mature. And Marissa, I know you can talk uh, maybe about the, the weight of this album and like the themes on this album are really intense. It's very religious and about trying to live you know, righteously. And I was just like, I'm really into what he's doing here. And the production of it is so interesting. And I feel like it takes all of the weird stuff that he's been doing for his many, many albums and really kind of focuses it and into something very beautiful. Yeah, it really feels like his ideas got sharpened here and his kind of all over the place creative impulses, not necessarily reined in. It just feels like really great execution of all of them. I'm thinking of like a song like No Bitterness, which starts with just him and guitar and turns into this like crazy hyper pop track by the end. And when you say that, it's like, that shouldn't work. That sounds crazy. But he really just has the, I don't know, has an incredible mind for that kind of thing. Or a song 
like blessing where there are these like super foreboding synths and there's he's like whispering the vocals in this kind of creepy way but then the lyrics are kind of really earnest where he's saying like every day is a blessing yeah i'm really i was really impressed by the execution of this record you mentioned no bitterness and you mentioned that it takes a bit and uh, travels to different dimensions so to speak and so let's do this let's play the whole song of no bitterness and we can hear that entire adventure Number two record, Alex G, uh, God Save the Animals, No Bitterness is the song, uh, Happiness from the... 
on our team, <laughs> for sure. Alex uh, was just in, in our office, right? Doing a time desk. Made you a little happy. I was, I was thrilled. It was a great performance, <laughs> I thought. And that will uh, be out into this world, uh, oh, not too distant future, if you're at the top of December. Keep an Keep eye, an eye Keep out. poking that little button. <laughs> refresh, refresh. Is it there yet? Refresh. So we're going to get to number one. At the top of the show, I said that there were many, many things that we each individually loved that didn't make it. I'm not going to play stuff that you mentioned, but I'd love to know, uh, start with you, Hazel, uh, an album or two that you need to let people know they need to listen to that you deeply fell in love with. Yeah, I, I'm just going to nominate one. I'm just going to say one, which is Angel Olsen's Big Time. Great record. Um, I've loved her her whole career. You know, she is someone who's very steadily built upon that early folk sound with each album. But then on this album, she really goes classic country. And it's such a great mode for her. And it's just a really beautiful album that kind of speaks to the simplicity of like being in love and discovering new parts of yourself. I don't know if, if Angel is her music is so intense and as a public figure, she can be kind of guarded um, in interviews. And I was just really hooked on how deeply earnest and, and sincere the, the music on this record was. And yeah, I just think it's, it's an amazing record. Marissa? Um, I agree. I love that record. My, yeah, yeah. my pick is the album Boat Songs by MJ Lenderman. I love this record. MJ Lenderman plays in the band Wednesday and they are this like big, loud, like fuzzy rock band. So I really didn't expect this solo record to sound like it does, which is that it has this kind of alt country twang to it. He's got this very conversational delivery, but he's just such a good storyteller. And he has such a knack for being funny and then drawing a real depth of feeling out of that humor in a way that I really appreciated. And yeah, it just felt like a set of songs to me that were undeniable. I just kept returning to these songs over and over all year. Such a great record, Boat Songs by MJ Lenderman. I have two records. I feel like they're brother and sister records. Uh, they're by Florist, the artist Florist, and Tomberlin. And the two records, uh, they have a commonality. Felix Walworth, the drummer, who's been a drummer for so many groups on the Double Double Whammy label, uh, including Eskimo and Bellows. They're a part of both of these records. They're both records that are full of songs that then have interludes and transition from one thing to another. So it really is an, an album that feels like you really want to start and end with. They're both sort of thoughtful and moody uh, records. There's nothing, you know, quote-unquote rock about them other than uh, often guitar-based songs. So there's some really nice pianos that uh, are on the records. Um, and so I madly love the Tomberlin record and madly love the Florist record. And please, find a nice, beautiful evening and put on those records. I don't think you'll be disappointed. So that's uh, those are going to be in my top five. I'm going to do my top ten or something list, <laughs> if I can squeeze it into ten, probably not. And, and then, you know, 50 songs or something. Uh, and I'll put that up on the All Songs Considered site sometime about the second week of December. And a reminder that there's a listener poll. So you can vote for your favorite five songs, favorite five albums, and NPR Music's big lists will go up on... December 12th and 15th. 
And that's the, the one that on the 12th is the... 50 best albums of the year. I like this teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on the 12th... The 100 best songs of 2022. Now to number one. Drum roll, please. Everybody. <laughs> the number one album for NPR Music's top 10 rock albums is by Big Thief with a big title Dragon, New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. <laughs> I think Big Thief has made my number one record every time they've made a record, and I don't think any other group has ever done that. And it's not like they make the same record, right? This record was all over the map. Yeah, truly. 20 tracks long, recorded in four different places in the country over the course of, I think, many months. But it really keeps you engaged the entire time. They cover so much ground, and there's never a moment where you're like, okay, I got to tune out. This has gone on for too long. And that, I don't know, that is really impressive to me. I think about how in 2019... They released two incredible records, basically, you know, back to back. And I was like, wow, how would they ever top that? And then they put out this enormous, richly rewarding double album. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's how Big Thief would top that. Yeah. <laughs> I heard they recorded 42 songs for this record. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I just, they astonish me in so many ways. And one of the reasons they did these four different locations was uh, James Krifgenia, uh, the drummer for Big Thief. His idea that the, it was that they would go to four different locations and have a sonic difference between each of the four locations. And so, yes, you have 20 songs on the record, but they have different tones and, and, uh, and different ambience to them. And so the record is really a journey through lots of sounds. It's the first record the Big Thief produced on their own. Just an astonishing uh, record. Hazel, you... Uh I never caught the Big Thief bug, but I will say that I deeply appreciate a band who is going to put out this um, like intense, immersive, diversive double album in a moment when I feel like the album is getting more and more tenuous as like a format for artists to work in when everything's like a fragment on TikTok now. And so I just... I don't know. I watch from afar and I appreciate them. Well, I'll, I'm going to spend time listening to Nilifer. <laughs> I'll spend time to I'll spend time listening to Big Thief. There D. we go. Uh, big family. Love that idea. So let me know how I'll, I'll let you know how I do and you do the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's hard to choose what to play from this incredible 20-song record. But one line in one song makes me laugh every time I hear it. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's it's, it's, <laughs> they, they, I'm a New Yorker, they, 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 I was born in Brooklyn, they rhyme the words finish with p potato canish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love them now. <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to play, uh, I'm going to take us out on a song that's not, doesn't sound like a rock song. We're not going out rocking, but we're going out with some lightheartedness, but deeply, deeply thoughtful mm -hmm. words about who we are as human beings, uh, but still talking about garlic bread and potato knishes. So <laughs> I'm going to play Spud Infinity and take us out. What a joy to talk to you both and, and listen to these records together. Thank you so much, Bob. This was awesome. Thank you, Bob. You all be well. For NPR Music, it's all songs considered. <laughs> Thank you.
Rubbing up again.